Pundit's show, me, Scott Dobson, and him, Tim Hatton. Today we discuss who won the Nassim Taleb versus Gary North debate. Tim. There was no Nassim Taleb versus Gary North debate in real life, but although there was an essay written by Gary North um, criticizing Nassim Taleb's original book, Fooled by Randomness, and I thought the essay, which appears on NewWorld.com, as well as other places, um, the essay's entitled Einstein and Keynes. Nassim Taleb was asked who he thought was the two most smartest people. And Nassim Taleb, who was a somewhat decent influence on me, at least early on, or at least had good book recommendations um, in his books, um, is, uh, he asked who was the two most smartest people, and he said Einstein and Keynes. And Gary North perceptibly picked this up and sort of deduced a lot of, all of, a lot of Nassim Taleb's um, failures as well as his successes from this sort of one comment, which is which is the title of the essay, and so 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 and there's a couple of points that are brought up in this, and this sort of Einstein Keynes point is is a point that will go in, into into other areas. Like the first question that's brought up is who is the superior economist here? Because in the in the essay, Gary North would would say that Taleb is more of a Hayekian than a Mazesian. Um, um, and the sort of Mises versus Hayek thing is nothing is nothing new in the sort of Austro-Libertarian debate. Um, he can also throw in people like the two Friedmans as well. Um, um, you know, and again, the certain they're more they're more uh, Keynesian friendly, or you know, as Rothbard say, "Do you hate the state in your belly?" So to speak, like the Hayekians are are in some ways less anarchistic, in other ways they are more anarchistic. Anarchistic. Um, in, in that in that sense here, so so um, so I think as T- Jeffrey Tucker would say that, and, and I think Gary North would also agree. Um, and Gary North does mention this in the essay is that that Hayek himself, as an economist, is somewhat jarbled. Um, you know, it, he, he, of course Keynes is jarbled. Um, uh, North would say that that the Keynes book on um, <clears throat> on the uh, 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 I'm forgetting what the title is. Is no one actually has read it or understood it, um, and it's kind of somewhat esoteric here. Um, so, so, but I do think I do think to, to give Taleb some points in favor of the argument um, that Hayek is more Hayek, although he allows for the state, is more of a more of a, a social anarchist than Mises, who um, is. Is quite uh, status oriented. He views the state is necessary. So there was a few. Zine Taleb has read at least some parts of Hayek and Mises, and has actually brought up the fact that, the, that neither of them are particularly anarchist when he was during arguing in the COVID era about the lockdowns. Of course, Nassim Taleb was a big lockdown supporter, big vaccine mandate supporter, mask wear. So that's that's somewhat of the issue that's sort of. Uh, circling through here in the sort of filtering through in this episode here somewhat too, so so with him, who do you think is the 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 superior economist here? Like, is Gary North correct to criticize the Hayek worship here? That you know Hayek believes in a kind of random market of random ideals. And that's 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 his point about Einstein as well. Um, Gary North, nor do I really understand or have read anything but Einstein, but there's this idea of randomness that, that, that permeates, which, you know, you don't need to be a physicist to understand, but, but the idea of randomness in the market context does has a certain, that does have a certain uh, 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 kind of appeal to it as well. And this is where you get the idea of these, 
the, the, the social order coming up, and so to speak, as well. So, Swithin, who do you think is the better economist? Well, I think... Uh, I suppose it depends in certain respects as to what you mean by economics and thereby an economist. Um, Mises uh, is clearly the better theoretical economist. Uh, his, his axioms are stated clearly. Um, he logically deduces from those premises uh, to his conclusions. Uh, and he's a much more robust and systematic thinker about the logic of action. However, um, is he better in describing how actual societies function? Well, I don't think so, but I don't necessarily think that was his point. His, in a way, I think some of the disputes between Mises and Hayek is one of goal. This comes out actually in the debate between Brian Kaplan and Walter Block. Uh, where Brian Kaplan says, well, I'm interested in these sort of these areas. And I know that you, Walter, would say this isn't economics because it's kind of broader than that from because the Misesian con conception of economics of the, well, if we go praxeology, the study of action, and then afterwards, uh, catalactics, the study of exchange, that's actually a very narrow discipline. Uh, Whereas uh, Brian Kaplan wants to have a more expansive view of it, and, and Hayek did as well. So um, when it comes to um, so sort of like societal formation, how economies run, I mean, Hayek in a way has some other insights that simply aren't part of the toolkit that uh, Mises works with. That said, Hayek really does overemphasize the randomness stuff. I mean, so for instance, family formation it's clearly i mean the way hopper would describe it and mises as well is like it's very so sort of like a rational endeavor to form a family and have children etc which i think is true to some extent but i think it's also true that um that there are some sort of instincts there for reproduction or whatever uh, which are independent of the individual's will uh, and they're just kind of innate and are there um, and so it's not merely a rational decision, but I don't think it means it's not a rational decision. So I think um, what one needs is sort of, depending on what the goal is and what you're trying to analyze, a merging to some extent of the uh, Misesian approach and also the Hayekian approach. Um, and I think... If you were to do that, I think you would get kind of some more more in insight to so as how economies run as a whole. But when it, as I say when it comes to um, pure um, theory and economics in the strict sense, um, Mises is clearly a better economist and a better writer because Hayek is not hugely clear and is difficult to follow in a way that Mises simply isn't. So if, if Mises is the better theoretical economist and Hayek is the worst, the better social critic, maybe be social theorist, um, I think the next question, that's next point, this interesting point, which actually became more relevant in 2020 with, with the recent allegations that Whitney Webb and others have uh, 
Seymour Horsch and others have discussed, is in the essay of Einstein Keynes, Gary North um, points to the fact that 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 because humans act rationally, people can build large wealth, and he points out that, the, that Bill Gates has built a large fortune. Now you could now maybe Gary North is not thinking about IP enough and stuff when writing the essay here, but you could think about maybe a billionaire or a very wealthy person who creates a large fortune that isn't just random. So 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 he would make the point that Keynes that 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 Taleb is is somewhat of a suicide bomber, insofar as he's saying that wealth does not result from hard work, wealth results from either theft or just chance, um, which is a kind of gambling. Um, now, both approaches seem to have merit and explanatory powers. Um, there is some amount of luck of being in the right place at the right time, so to speak. But but I do think North is correct that you do need to have skills. I think a lot, and uh, it's not just the skills of burglary um, as well. Um, because Taleb at times seems to, uh, even though Taleb is, might be wealthy, there is a sort of a Marxist streak in, in, in a lot of the, the, the critics of big wealth, which from my understanding, Mises is not the biggest critic. In that sense, Mises is very unlike Kevin Carson here. Um, now it is funny that Gary North on com is praising the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and Bill Gates being wealthy enough to, um, fund that foundation um, based on its implications, which then goes back to like weird, which weird deep theories of like, you know, like the Ford Foundation, the Rockefeller Foundation, as well as other foundations. And so it's like, so what's, what's like, who is having these super wealthy um, people, is having these super wealthy people a threat to society um, um, writ large? Now you could, uh, as always, you could ask how do they generate their wealth and do they generate their wealth through statist state-oriented means. With Bill Gates, thanks to IP, it is clearly the case for a lot of super wealthy people. So we did have Todd Lewis on, on an episode about um, how his wealth formed. We had, did an episode on the mega corporations. Well, the episode with Todd Lewis was on wealth inequality. We did an episode on mega corporations. Um, so I do think um, some possible mega corporation could exist in a quote-unquote stateless society, um, but it would not, of course, be Microsoft. Um, so, so Swithin, um, is supporting the Bill Gates Foundation, um, filling, is, is Gary North's point about, you know, one of the, one of the keys of getting large wealth is you can create your own, so to speak, you can create your own network. Um, it's not just, it's not just, it, you're not just a gambler in that sense, you know, a certain type of people will rise. Now, Hayek, interestingly enough, would say the worst get on top in this is certain system. And I do think the worst do get on top if it's mainly about being, in the McIntyre sense, a good burglar, that a good capitalist is a good burglar. Um, but but I don't I don't entirely think that. I think I think that the critics of capitalism miss the point that like like at bottom the core business of a lot of things is selling a useful service here. Some businesses, it might not be the case. It's it's entirely rent seeking, but you know, like McDonald's, you might not agree that McDonald's. Maybe McDonald's has, this kind of, but see, I can imagine an alternate branding universe which is almost as strong as the current branding universe. I mean, this would be my pushback to people like Keith Preston and Kevin Carson. I can imagine a branding universe which which gets a lot of the work done. Maybe not all the work done, but a good amount of the work done. And since, and they would still have some amount of power. So, you know, on the question of are super wealthy people a threat to society, I say yes, 
but so are other super wealthy people. And the only way to keep super wealthy people in check is with other super wealth. So, so, so you want to have you want to have your elite selection be done through market means. I would say. So even if that's random, that's better than nothing. So that that the way I would synthesize the wealth generation uh, selection here. Now you may say hereditary is a better uh, uh, well elite selection here, but I would say that then they in some sense uh, over time they seek they cease having the ability to maintain their elite status here. So you have a refreshing of elites here in in more market oriented societies rather than non market oriented societies. So it's with them. What do you make of Gary North's comments on um, wealth being generated through like rational human action rather than merely um, now I think in the Pacific case of Microsoft and Bill Gates he's wrong which ends up being hilarious that he's praising the Gates Foundation considering what the Gates Foundation has done but I, I do think there are other instances where you know wealthy people do generate I mean this is this is an anathema to a lot of people there are instances of wealthy people even modestly I'd say middle upper middle wealthy people um, who do clearly create charitable organizations or decent organizations, useful organizations, and maybe just merely their family, which um, seems to create a good social benefit. So I think, what would you say to this? I think it clearly not random in its entirety. I'm not saying there's no element to it at all of luck, but I mean, to attribute it entirely to it is just on the face of it absurd. Um, for instance, now, I don't know if this is true, but I don't think that a guy with Down syndrome has ever become a billionaire if he hasn't inherited it. I'm just going to put that out there. And if they have, there'd be vanishingly small numbers. Now, you could argue that's random. I don't think so. Um, as ever with, the, with, with anything in this kind of explanation... It's environment, it's genetic, it's nurture, nature, nurture, and also luck as well. Stuff just has to be right. Um, I think it's perfectly possible that someone has a good business idea and they just have it at the wrong time. The market isn't ready for it for whatever reason, and so they fail. And then somebody else does exactly the same thing later and it works. Now, can I explain the difference only insofar as all the people liked it in one situation, they didn't in another. Now, exactly why they liked it later and didn't like it earlier, I mean, there's lots of contingent factors at play. Um, I mean, so uh, Simon Sinek points out how uh, TiVo did badly in England, although that was, he argued, due to uh, some advertising problems. But um, that the market didn't really necessarily seem to see, see the need for uh, like live recording and multiple recording, maybe because there weren't that many stations that many people watched, so they didn't really need multiple recording. So all these, all these kind of things. Um, so I mean, if you do look at like the world's richest men, I mean, they're clearly not lazy, or at least they weren't when they amassed their money. I mean, clearly, putting hours in matters. Um, so that's not random. Also, most of the richest men in the world don't seem stupid. I mean, they may not be intellectuals, but they're um, they're not stupid. I mean, Donald Trump clearly is not stupid. I mean, he might people might think he is, but he he really is not stupid. He may not be an intellectual, but he isn't stupid. Um, so, 
yeah, of course, let's say that there's going to be elements of contingency and you're going to try two guys do the same thing and one time will work and one won't. But the the, the thing is, I suppose the question is, um, are there necessary conditions for success, which in every situation uh, you need to succeed? Uh, and I think that's likely true, maybe not necessary, but very, very, very likely and you need them but it doesn't that's it's not sufficient because there'll be other factors that need to fall into play to make it work um so i i would say that i mean that current like mega corporations to a large extent do provide some services that are useful now are they as good as they would be if you had a completely different economic system well no but i mean they still provide some value um, I mean, they're not entirely without that. So Walmart, for instance, is not an organization I'm particularly fond of, but does it provide value in certain respects? Well, yes, it does. Um, on the whole IP thing you, you mentioned, I, I, we discussed this in private before, but with respect to branding, I, I do think branding is possible and still will be useful to some extent um, because it's a way of differentiating your products. Um, and... Um, you know, you could make some money via additional money than you otherwise would because of branding, even though you wouldn't necessarily need trademark law. Um, so, yes, clearly there are random things. There are certain times when, well, certain films just grab the imagination. So if Star Wars, for instance, was, was released like five years later, would it have got the traction it had in 1977? Maybe not. Maybe not. Um, I mean, it's hard to say. But... Um, I think it clear that it is not merely luck. Uh, and to say so, I think it just flies in the face of the obvious reality of things. So I think North in this essay anticipated that, that Nassim Taleb would be very critical of the uh, very verboten topic of IQ. And I, 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 quick bring, I, I think that's an aside that needs to be brought up because whether it's true or not is a good question, but... It it, it it does it does need to I mean Taleb will accuse his opponents of being Taleb himself accuses opponents opponents of being low IQ but does get annoyed when Jonathan Haidt even as someone as seemingly milquetoast as Jonathan Haidt talks about it um so I do I do I will say that the 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 luck capitalists I'll call them um that cap that people who generate wealth merely because of the of luck i do think i do think are wrong in the sense that there are pre-existing factors that all of them have to have or at least at least they have to have them enough um um to 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 get over the kind of a, a threshold here at minimum i would say there's a certain threshold that has to be demonstrated in terms of social skill as well as other type of skills to get there so it's not merely about luck here but although the luck does play a factor and, and I guess the next question here is, is the universe at bottom random and luck-oriented? Because as with Einstein and Keynes, who Taleb thinks are the smartest people alive and fooled by randomness, the universe, and Taleb cites those as who he thinks are very wise people, uh, um, 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 is the universe at bottom a random process? I think if you, if you believe in evolution, which Taleb does, um, although Taleb is unlike Gary North, well, Taleb and Gary North are both formal Christians in some variety, um, but but they they differ, of course, as usual in their interpretations of it um, here. 
Um, so Taleb believes in evolution here. North, of course, doesn't. He's, I think he's written creationist curriculum, from my understanding here. But Taleb, Einstein, and Keynes, as well as Hayek, for that matter, take a rational view of society if society um, is at bottom of this sort of evolutionary process, because the evolutionary process, and this sort of evolutionist defense of the market, too, um, as well to go back into the Hayek versus Mises debate here, as opposed to the more um, of thinking through market, you know, markets, people make rational plans, there's a kind of designer of a product or designer of the system here. The Marxists are big on design-oriented thing here. Like you want to design a better, more efficient system. They want to have a planned economy. Um, so there obvious, interesting, um, interesting language in in this in this thing about seemingly uh, disparate groups having dis- different methods here. Are economies planned or are the economies, um, you know, evolved, spontaneously organized here? So my question here for you, and I I would say my answer is I'm somewhat agnostic on this question. Is 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 you know is the universe at bottom random or is the, does the universe have a quote unquote design to it? Um, um, you know, this goes into sort of deeper topics here too. It's like you know you know what what explains the you know usefulness of mathematics or language um, in in describing the sort of natural world here. I don't know. I mean that I mean William Lane Craig recently had a debate with I think it was Graham Oppie on 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 yes it was Graham Oppie on mathematics, uh, you know, mathematics existence seems to preclude there's some kind of design here. Although Graham Oppie would just say, well, this is just, you know, it would just sort of have to, just, it would just have to exist in a sense. Uh, it's just kind of a brute fact that numbers have explanatory power. So Swithin, it's a, it's a big question here, but I think one of the hearts of the Fool by Randomness book, which is to me is Taleb's best book. I mean, the other, the other books that Taleb has written, I would say, I mean, as much as I don't like Nate Silver, Nate Silver did make the point that Taleb wrote one book and tried to bunch, write a bunch of sequels here. I, I do think Fooled by Random is, is, is quite... Uh, Gary North praises it, too. It's hilarious. It's easy to read. It's, it's insightful. It's, it's, it's all of the above. And all his other works, I'd say, are derivative works in the sense that, like, Black Swan is like an anti-fragile, just how do you deal with randomness, random events. Like, a Black Swan is a kind of event which... Which which you don't anticipate um, as the viewer, you know it's 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 the it's Bertrand Russell's problem of the turkey here. You know the turkey's fed for a thousand days, and then on day one thousand one, um, the, suddenly the farmer is no longer. Uh, it's it's not a very suddenly the farmer is going to kill him. It's not it's not in the Gaussian distribution. A hundred year flood is not in the in a hundred and one years of is won't show up in a hundred years of data. Here. So there's lots of points here that I think the Mesians would actually like here that, you know, a statistical economics doesn't work very well because you, know, you have to deal with rare tail events and stuff like that. But then then you have to take a more non-empirical approach to understanding reality here, too. Um, so, so Swithin, isn't the universe at bottom random here? Obviously, that that, that takes into account other other things here. But as, as we see, both Taleb and North are somewhat... Christians of some variety, so they do believe in something. Um, at least, again, you could debate who who has the correct interpretation amongst the two of them, and that is a, is of course a good good question here. But in 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 the strict sense, I would say they're both genuinely enough. Um, so what what would you make of this? I would I would hold myself agnostic on this question because I think it's a deeper question here. But the implications 
you sort of can't really get out of. Like, you know, if 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 if, if it's evolution, then the Hayek's view on spontaneous order does make some amount of sense here. Um, so that that's one reason why I liked I like Taleb. He takes the arguments seriously and to the end, and finds other related thinkers. Uh, whether Taleb always goes with his arguments, the logic of his arguments is a good question here. But as Keynes say, you know, he just changes his mind here. Um, so, I mean, that's one of the criticisms of, of, of Keynes himself. So, Swithin, sorry for rambling there. Is the universe at bottom random, or is it more organized here? That, that would be the, the, the TLDR version of the question. Because the, Taleb's main work is fooled by randomness, and the, all the other stuff in the inserto is just about dealing with that uncertainty here. No, I don't think it is ultimate random. And I actually think um, even though the evolutionists like to do that, evolution is actually a sort of highly rational process um, in that uh, the survival of the fittest, the, the, there is the goal of survival and it's not kind of random in that sense. You know, it's, it's whatever, uh, it's, it's quite a teleological process. It has a goal. That is survival. It's not random. Um, the randomness is kind of added to it. So in, in a way, evolution doesn't really sit well with randomness, um, is it way, as it were, because the, the goal of the animal is to survive and to reproduce. I mean, that's that's a goal. That's not random. Um, then you could always go down the Einstein and quantum mechanics routes, and I'm not very well versed in quantum mechanics. Um but I can mention William Lane Craig. William Lane Craig likes to point out that there are lots of different uh, mathematical inter interpretations of uh, quantum mechanics, which are entirely deterministic. Uh, the the the, the favourite sort of Copenhagen um, interpretation of that's kind of like the genuinely weird one is not he claims is not necessary. Um, I mean, interestingly, I mean, I have heard some sort of Aristotelians talk about that. Uh, and say that, well, actually, you know, when we get into that quantum mechanics, you're kind of dealing with, like, prime matter. Um, and prime matter is kind of weird, because prime matter doesn't exist on its own. It's only, I, I don't remember, it plays an important part of the Aristotelian notion of change, and I don't remember it offhand. Um, but it's, it's always instance, the idea of prime matter is always joined to actual other matter. And the idea, and I think the idea is it's somehow sort of like that, but any sort of, like, substantial form in a like, traditional sort of Aristotelian sense, as an object is kind of explicable and is not random. Um, now, that said, it is true that there are certain events which are kind of unpredictable. Um, but I don't think that necessarily implies that there's randomness uh, as such at the heart. It seems to me to be the case that society is generally predictable, but that there are although again anything it depends what you're trying to explain so i mean if you're trying to predict on mass human behavior that's gonna be pretty darn difficult uh, so it depends what you, you're trying to explain but, uh, but the fact that you can't predict it doesn't necessarily mean it's random uh, although this goes down to free will in certain respects um so uh, also like the climate is the climate random well, you kind of think probably not, but it's kind of very unpredictable. I mean, someone said they looked at like the British rainfall from like eighteen fifty, from when it's been measured, and um, even earlier, and it's basically random. Like, there's no way of knowing how much rainfall you're going to get a year. Just simply, there's no relationship. Uh, 
mean, does that mean it's random? I don't think so. And I think actually the, the human analogy is true. Even though you can't necessarily predict what people do on mass, it doesn't follow that they don't have any reasons and there's no goals that they're attempting to achieve in the rational manner. So uh, I would say no, um, even taking an evolutionary position, that the universe is not random. As you pointed out with evolution, um, evolution is not merely a random process. It does select for something. It selects for survival. Um, what actually merits survival is a good question here. Um, but so I, I, I 100% agree with that. I think that's an error oftentimes of the, you know, the, the I'd call them the egalitarian evolutionists uh, in that sense. I think that's, a, that's a sort of obvious logical error, so to speak, of their uh, their their position here as far as as far as your as far as the final point here this is going to be one of our shorter episodes which is perfectly fine with me is and i think we press into this further is and we've done this with our covid thing about how to, you you in particular um with the nasim taleb's just merely doing cost benefit analysis one of nasim taleb's ideas is because of randomness you know we need to we need to worry about extreme tail risks we shouldn't worry about averages you know you cross a river that's on average 10 10 10 inches deep or 10 feet deep um well you know it could be 100 feet deep or it could be 30 feet deep and two feet deep if the work averages are the you know, same move for temperatures you know you have to sort of and and one of the implications of it is you have to worry worry about ex, the extreme risks so this was a justification for lockdowns um and actually supposedly there was a somebody in the trump administration who was a talib fan who used this in the early days of this? Whether that's true or not is a historical question, um, but that's that, that that seems to at least make sense that someone was a Taleb fan there, um, and so so extreme risks and how do we deal with them here? So so I I think the the extreme risk mindset is useful at times, like when you're driving, you know if you're if you're not worried you should worry about the thing that's really going to kill you not the thing that's going to just dent your car um that would be that would be useful here although although that is a kind of cost benefit analysis um as you say he's just doing a sort of more robust form of cost benefit analysis taking account the most dangerous thing and just giving it a higher weight um but but at some point you do have to make a decision to act this goes back to the Mazesian things and even though there's uncertainty we do we are aware of some amount of data to act here um um, in that sense, uh, we, we, we do have, you know, it, whether, whether some data is better than no data or whether bad data is better than no data are good questions here. And in this sense, the Misesians, who he doesn't like as much as the Hayekians, as, let alone the Friedmanites and the Keynesians, they will use, quote-unquote, data to make their, their decisions. They'll have a data-oriented approach. But, and this is why I think a lot of people thought Taleb was a proto- or Austrian fellow, fellow travel, but but Taleb himself renounced the Austrian economists as being too dogmatic. But I would say the empirical economists here, the, the, fa the fact that uh, tail risks, so like the risk of a recession is not going to show up, the risk of a boom and a bust, maybe take the Austrian business cycle theory with, with respect to uh, money creation, is not going to show up in a certain amount of data sets. But if you have a large and long enough data set, it might show up here. Um, um, so like those questions, I think Taleb, unlike Gary North, should actually be more friendly to the extreme um, um, risk mindset. I mean, it is, it is useful. You could say that the Austrians um, are in a sense 
um, you know, oh, this money printing has worked okay. There, ha- inflation is stable. It's it's. I might be slightly misrepresenting uh, the Austrian theory as defined by Mises and Hoppe, but but it, it's. I think I am close enough in my interpretation that it makes sense. You can say, oh, you know, central banks are in uh, various other things are fine. It's we have ten years of stability here, but you have to sort of look into the eleventh year or, or year twenty one or year. Whatever it is, plus one. You have to look at, you have to look at the extreme points, not just the the points that you can see. Um, so, Swithin, what do you make of the extreme risk mindset to organize, organize? Maybe not your life, but organize at least your 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 research into social topics here. Uh, and then, as far as you know, public policy. Again, I'm an anarchist in this sense as well as you, from my understanding. So, I don't think. There should be such thing as public policy, but I do think there'd be such thing as institutions. Institutions have to make decisions too. Families, firms, and other things, private defense agencies, if they exist. Um, and there are, there are. You should worry about the extremists now. Whether what will, we'll, but but I would just push back and tell and say that we shouldn't. There's a, there's a limit of what we can actually do to eliminate slash. Um, what's the word? Uh, appease the extreme risk here on certain tasks. There's certain things that are just impossible to avoid. There's certain risks that are just somewhat impossible to avoid here. So that would be, that would be my, that would be my thing. I think the extreme risk thinking is interesting. I think it's, as I just pointed out, it's Austrian adjacent. Uh, the, you know, the, because they're not explicitly empirical in that sense. So what do you make of the extreme risk thinking and as well as the sort of aversion to using incomplete data here? That that to me is never insight a Taleb, although Taleb will cite data at some times. So Taleb, as always, is schizophrenic here and isn't particularly consistent, especially since 2020 when he sort of went off the rails, in in, 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 in my opinion here. So what then? Taleb is, um, when it gets down to it, Taleb is actually very empirical, despite his claim. He just basically says his math is better than everybody else's. That's ultimately what it revolves to uh, with Taleb. Uh, I do think your point about theory is important because theory helps you to understand what to do with incomplete data. Um, I mean, you get the absurd sort of um, empiricist types saying, oh, but there's no evidence that children wearing masks inhibit their development. It's like, well, obviously, there isn't any direct evidence because you haven't done it before. Oh well, well, there's no evidence, so we gotta gotta go. For it. So, um, the I think what Taleb is good for with incomplete data is you've got to engage and have some form of robust um, thought and theory about the world itself, which is based on not on sort of specific pieces of data. But more of sort of general um, inductive axioms, you know, things like you know, take some of the more empirical economic ones, like people don't like working that has this utility. Well, yeah, clearly it does. You know, what do firms try to do? Well, you know, firms probably try to make as much money as they can. I mean, it's it's it's. I mean, they might not in certain circumstances, but I mean, it's a reasonable assumption in many cases. So you work like this, and so. Uh, you can you can create with the sort of general looking at the world some um, assumptions, some general sort of rules of thumb which help you navigate it, um, and that stops you from going. Oh no, this piece of evidence, I must revise my position. It's like, well, okay, I might hold my position 
in a, with slightly less strength. Like if you think of your beliefs in terms of probabilistic ones, you know, uh, on a sort of a hundred percent to zero percent, how um, how much faith do as it were do I have in the Austrian business cycle theory? You know, you can you can downgrade them, but I mean you're gonna have to have a you're gonna get to a situation where you have a lot of ex- other evidence to say things like, for instance. Um, the more someone does one activity, the better they get at it. And all the evidence says they'll get worse. It's like, can I need to see more of this to make sure this is like a, an actual, um, an actual real world situation? I mean, something you sent me about with respect to um, medical trials and how they only publish the ones, they only tend to publish ones with drugs and stuff that work. But what we don't know is all the trials they did do in which it didn't work, which means we don't, really know we don't really know if it's if the, the published study is merely a statistical artifact that it was just one of the random times in which it looked like it, the drug worked when in fact all the other ones and it didn't work they didn't publish but we didn't know um so yeah I, I i do very much think a certain type of sort of inductive theory uh i think is shown to be important with um these sorts of things, which is actually in the side, one of my approaches to like coronavirus, I probably mentioned at the time, which is this. If there's a disease that's if there's a de- disease that's going around which is killing people you otherwise wouldn't expect to be killed, then it's probably in in large in a, a relatively large number, it's probably a problem. But if it isn't, yeah, you know, these things happen, you can cope with them. They're not something that's going to require radical uh changes in the, in the way you deal with things. Um which which category do you think coronavirus uh, sits into? Um, the listener can make his own choice. So that that would be my sort of o- o- overall um, thoughts of the matter. One area which I think uh, Gary North and Taleb should agree is not, uh, this is sort of a new position I've come to is that if you take if you take because Gary North is a fundamentalist Calvinist of some variety, and I use those terms as usually in the descriptive sense, not necessarily in the pejorative sense. Um, uh, and Taleb is a Greek Orthodox. I would say that the the if you really want to think about a good argument for theism, you could take the extreme risk thing seriously. Well, if there is an angry God that exists, you'd want to be on his you want to be on his on his uh, on his good side, so to speak. That's that'd be like one of the one of the uh, one of the likely one of the possible scenarios out there, and you should wait. That one fairly highly. Um, what what do you reckon this as an argument here? Because I've outlined the areas where Taleb and North disagree. They do they do you know like we did a Cutrone Sean Gab episode here. Two seemingly disparate thinkers who have some amount of agreement here. Um, now Taleb and Taleb and Gary North, unlike Gab and Cutrone, although maybe like Gab and Cutrone, do have lots of areas of agreement here. They're both critical of the Federal Reserve. They're both. Um, critical of men, many of these sort of, um, the, you know, the state bureaucracies to a large extent. Although, although Taleb, although Taleb, of course, supported them in the war on COVID, but then again, Gary North supports things like Bill. He doesn't support Bill Gates, but he does does support. He does in his argument support the Bill Gates Foundation as being a possible good, um, and you know, you could argue that really the Bill Gates Foundation controls the CDC, just as the sort of some sort of types of Marxists would say here, um, but but to go back to my point with respect to religion here, um, what do you what do you reckon about using the extreme risk mindset, um, which I would say is Taleb's one of Taleb's 
other than the randomness point. Um, but I would say that's the sort of genuine new insight here, you know, how to deal with extreme risk, how to deal with risk of random events that you don't see in the, the data out there. Um, you know, in the 100 years of data, you're not going to see the 101-year flood. Um, um, what, what about implying that to sort of, you know, theistic developments? Because the North, I, North is known for two things. You know, it's, it's probably this combination of, of he's, he's sort of a standard doctrine of Rothbardian libertarian, but also he takes it and then he sort of goes theonomics um, here. I mean, that, like, like I, I sometimes, I've, I've read through some of his articles. I, I always think that North is a good writer. I think he's a good thinker, too. Um, you might not agree with everything North says. I use him as an example of, like, Gary North is dead here. But what would you make of that argument here, applying that sort of extreme risk mentality toward debates about the existence of God or how we should treat the existence of God? Swithin? Well, I think it relates to maybe it's like the Pascal's wager, I suppose you could say. Um, although I think Pascal's wager largely... the it kind of depends on how much different you think you would need to live your life if you did happen to believe in God and if you didn't. Because if you think that actually it would make that little difference. So, for instance, if you uh, with some of the progressive leftists, the, the, the argument is, well, they think left and live right. I mean, if they ended up being Christians and living and conservative Christians, their birth rate might be higher. But apart from that, would it change their practical day-to-day activities in certain ways? Well, maybe not. Well, maybe not that much. I'm not saying it wouldn't make any difference. In that situation, you might be like, well, yeah, maybe you, know, you should believe in God because you're not going to lose anything. But if you're like a libertine, then maybe you think, well, maybe that would be a bad thing. You'd have too much to kind of lose. Um, but leaving that aside, just a more general, general theistic one, should you just believe in God just in case the bad thing happens? Well, the big problem was, well, well, you could, but then the question is, well, which God? I mean, it's not immediately obvious which God is the correct God. And so even if you could uh, fall into some sort of general theism on the basis of extreme tail risk, it wouldn't tell you which God was the right one. And so even then you would have the problem of getting on the wrong side of the wrong God. But it would point um, you in the right direction. It would point you in a direction, yes. I suppose it would be less wrong. Um to uh, reference an internet forum. Yeah, and I would say the less wrong people are sort of implicit Hayekians. Uh, I mean, that's that, that, that that's the, the idea of being less wrong, the idea of, I mean, that's like one of the things that the Hayekian types and the Hayekian adjacent people, unlike Rand, who's a Mazessian, who praises capitalism, there's a lot of people who support market relations only because communism or planned economies don't work. Now, again, you can get, always get into the weeds about what exactly is, you know, we do have the Federal Reserve, we do have blah, 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 price controls and so forth. But, but there is a case in which it's quite obvious that South Korea, West Germany are more, quote unquote, in line with the teachings of Mises and Rothbard and Hayek than they are in the lines with uh, planned economies. And I think that that point is fairly, that point is fairly obvious. But the less wrong people, that is the kind of mindset here. Um, but but I would say if you, if you want to be less wrong, you 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 want to you want to you want to make sure you don't. Get, if you're crossing the street, you're not looking for the bugs, you're not looking for potholes, you're looking for the buses and the trucks. 
Um, that's one of the things that that's one of those sort of, you know, the parables that Taleb would like to use when, when he tries to explain his thinking and see there's sort of folksy mentality toward it too, which sort of shows up in Taleb's somewhat schizophrenic responses to COVID too here. Um, so I, I, I've, ever since I've read Food and the Randomness, I do think it's a good way to think about things. Like if you're crossing the street, don't worry about the bugs or the birds, you worry about the buses here. I think that mindset is a, is a fairly strong, as far as the other points of the essay, I do think, I do think Mises is much clearer thinker than um um than than Hayek. I, I do think Hayek has a dating certain essays of Hayek will survive on, but I think human action is sort of like a treatise will survive uh many, many, many years. So that never Taleb's ideas heuristics is the Lindy effect. I don't think men, much of Taleb's writings will survive. Maybe certain essays will. Certain essays of Hayek's will survive. Um but the you know the the treatises, these sort of these autistic sounding economics treaties with clear accents, they'll be read for Many years to come, so that will be my that for who won the debate here. If your goal is to decide who wins debate by Lindy effects or survival effects, um, then I would say that the the the, the Mises would would win it. But you have to make a caveat in the sense that supporting the, the supporting the it's funny to see Lou Rock. It's funny to see uh, Gary North supporting the Bill Gates Foundation here on LouRockwell.com considering what we know about it. That was, I was going to forward this essay to somebody and I realized, wow, that's funny that, that he's supporting this, knowing now what we know about them and the CDC. So that, that would be my, that would be my overall comment. I think it's a great essay to read here. And I'd say, I'd say both thinkers are worth reading. Um, so if you have any final comments on this, that'd be great. That'd be my last comment. No, I do think they're, they're both worth reading. I do agree that I think human action will stand the test of time. I think it will be a book that will last. Um, and so, yeah, will Taylor may, oh, I think less so. Because in a sense, Taleb is more of a critic than a creator. And I think the creators tend to last. And as Oscar Wilde said, no one ever built a statue to a critic. Now, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with your friends and family and subscribe to us on Podbean and on YouTube. The more subscribers we get, the higher we get in the search rankings and the more people can access this material. And if you'd like to contact the show for any reason at all, please contact us at mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com. That's mindcrimelibertyshow at gmail.com.